Welcome to Your The Marketing Department, the show to help you and your organization grow. Uh, my name is John Anderson. I'll be your host of the show today, and I am joined by Tobin. Hey, how's it going, John? Tobin, it is going good. Good, good. It's a good day. It is a good day, unlike some days. Unlike some days, yeah. What are some not-so-good days, John? <laughs> I'll tell you what a not-so-good day is. Today, I have to go to a store that remains anonymous, but they sell kitchen things because this past week, I'm working on a kitchen remodel. Mm. And I was going to cut some countertops, which is a whole effort in itself. But these aren't stone; these are wood countertops. Oh yeah. And in cutting a 24-inch piece of counter, ended up at 23 and three quarters. And so you know that's close enough, right? It's not actually. <laughs> when the cabinet itself is 24, it doesn't quite fit. So this is a fairly expensive piece of wood that I've cut short. And so, as the adage says, oh. measure twice, cut once. Unless you're Tobin. <laughs> so did you, you measure it the first time? I think I did measure it. You think I'm, so? I'm not sure what happened. Maybe I didn't calculate the blade width, uh, so yeah. I cut the other way. And so Now, what if it was like 24 and 1 fourth? Would that look better? Yes, because I could have sanded it down. Mm, good but point. you can't add to wood. Wow, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can always cut away. You can always, you can't add back. So... A little bit of a not good day. Just you know, and plus it's it's insult to injury. I have to drive three hours to the store now to go get more, come back the whole way thinking I wouldn't have to be doing. You this live that I far could. from Home Depot. Yeah, no, it's not <laughs> a different store. Well, you ever had a day like that, John? All right, I've got a. I only have really one or two to choose from. <laughs> yeah, so. life's been so checkered with success that. Yeah, you know. exactly. Oh, uh, let's see. One of my most embarrassing failure stories um, actually happened. My first month or so on the job here. At oh, New North. wonderful. I'm glad we could contribute to that. <laughs> I was going to a client meeting and we were meeting a third party. So I was going to be working with somebody who then we were going to work together with another client. Right. Um, and so as I get there, I'm, I'm about 30 minutes late to the yeah. meeting uh, for Traffic reasons issues. unexplainable. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I walk in and our client and the client who we'll be working with are sitting at a table in a restaurant, you know. Um, with a huge just thermos of coffee on the table. And I walk in, I'm like, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm like, Google Maps, you know, Google Maps. And as I sit down, bam, I just knock the coffee <laughs> off the table and all over the floor. And the client uh, who we had been supposed to be working with just stood up and said, I don't have time for this, and just left. Wow. That's tough. It felt, yeah, it felt like something out of a sitcom where I was just the character that you make fun of. Yeah. That's quite a failure. I bought him a Starbucks gift card. That's nice, though. For $2. <laughs> Just kidding. It was 10 <laughs> That's good. It was a big thermos. It was a big thermos of coffee. You know, we all have our, our days like that, and we all have our days in marketing, too, when we're doing things, and the campaign, the email, the social, whatever it might be, just doesn't you come just out. just knock the coffee off the table. Yeah. You just do things that are not even just a miss the mark. It's just a failure straight up failure so let's let's just pack into what to do with failure today and what uh how we process failure and all the components of failure sound like a good cathartic conversation john that does well let's start off with just defining failure Mm. john what do you think how would you define failure that's it's a tough one i mean the first thing that comes to mind is not getting the results that you would hope to get Second things that come to mind is just horrible embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, those are two good things, usually tied together. I think I'd go a little bit further on that and saying not achieving the results you desired by a considerable measure. I think there's like missing the mark and it's not successful. Right. But I think there's also failure. Like if it's you were looking to have an open rate or response rate of, of 
eight percent and you got point four. Right. That's that's pretty horrible. That's a failure. <laughs> if you got six percent, it's like, well, this just didn't hit the mark, but yeah. it resembles success to a degree. But right. there's just missing or is doing social for three months and getting zero likes. Like that would just be considered failure. <laughs> I, I wouldn't candy coat that at all. No, I think that's a good distinction. It's the difference between when you're playing darts, you know, hitting the 10 and just throwing it on the floor. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's a good good metaphor there, John. So I think you have to have a, have to have a healthy understanding of failure versus not success. That way you can categorize things correctly. Some people, I think, live in a little bit of denial of like, well, you know, I'm going to fall forward on this one. Oh, wow. I, I, just didn't do, I failed, but it's going to be a positive learning experience. You know, you'll when learn you fall from forward, it. you fall on your face. Yeah, you'll <laughs> learn from it because you may be getting fired, but um, you can fail in a good way and still process it and own it and move forward. So now that we have a good idea of failure, I think we should talk about maybe why things fail from a marketing perspective. We don't get into personal reasons, but <laughs> why things fail from a marketing perspective. So the first thing I can think of is probably a big category, but improper planning. Mm, yeah, that's definitely the impetus to a lot of failure. Yeah. So, I mean, inside of there, I'm thinking about really a lack of understanding is probably the biggest thing. But improper planning, if you're talking about email, talking about social, I mean, knowing what you need to know going into or planning that road out can have consequences. If you think, well, I'm just going to start doing email and then you plan the first email, but you don't plan the next four, you just start shooting from the hip, you're setting yourself for more failure. Right. And we've talked about this in the past, but doesn't a lot of that come back to goal setting? Right. And knowing what the right goals that you should be shooting exactly. for Exactly. I would say goal definition would be a big part of improper planning. Like if you don't have goals or know what success looks like, mm-hmm. I mean, you're destined to fail because you just don't know what success looks like. Right. Yeah. My thought on that is what happens when you're not exactly sure what success looks like, or you're not exactly sure, like maybe you know what success looks like, but you're not exactly sure how to get there. So a lot of times, I mean, from a marketing sense, you know the result, the end result right. you want. And so you can set the right goal. But if you're not entirely sure of the strategies and tactics, how can you plan around those? Right. We have to have some basis of your goal, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. you make a smart goal, it has to be realistic to a degree, right? So that's the R in smart. Um, that, you know, if you're planning to do an email campaign and you want a 30% open rate, but your previous success has only been 10 you may not know how to get to that 30. And so you need to find cases, examples. You need to find a path or research to help go through that to understand how you get to that path. I mean, if you've never achieved a certain result before and you there's a huge gap in your understanding of how to achieve that result, you have to do some kind of work to help you shape that deliverable, right? Shape that because you, you need to create 60 leads next month You've only created three a month. Oh, you're screwed. No offense. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in trouble. But if you don't have a road plan to make that, I mean, you have to do the work. You can't just say, well, I'm just going to double up or triple up. And you, have, you are really shooting from the hip then. But if you can look at case studies, look at examples, see how other people are doing certain things, that's where I think case studies and, and industry data can help. Okay. So you'd say just know as much as possible going right. in. Do yeah. as much of your research as you can right. going in. Look for the road that's been laid before you mm. Like to do Not that. Not the road less traveled, as right. Robert Frost would say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's a big key of, of planning is having a really good, solid idea of what you want to do is feasible and that you've seen and you know what it takes to get at least close to it. Sure. So another challenge that comes in there, which is somewhat similar, is a lack of understanding of your audience. I think that's probably the one of the bigger reasons things Definitely from fail. a marketing perspective, yeah. Yeah, because audience is is one of the critical linchpins of the whole campaign. I mean, critical linchpin. Yeah. yeah. It's good. (laughs) You can, you can do a lot that hinges around that. So 
I mean, if you don't understand your audience, you're really, we are marketing to an audience. So if you have the wrong audience in mind, you will fail because you won't reach the intended audience. So I mean, there's lack of planning from a goal perspective, but then there's just a lack of understanding of your audience and things can hugely fail. I mean, you may be greatly successful in your tactical approach. You may get the open rate you want. You may get the click-through rate. You may get the social interaction you're looking for, the clicks from, from search. But if you're not converting sales in the back end, you've reached an audience. You haven't reached the right one though, right? So there's that understanding where you may have all this tactical success, but in the end, the dollars aren't coming in because you had a, not a clear understanding of your audience and what they need to be. Yeah, You're getting an audience with the wrong one. Yeah. No, that's definitely something that we see more often than we'd like to, and it's definitely something that will totally derail a campaign. Right. We have had a, had a case here at New North where we were working with a client who had a, an audience that they asked us to market to, and we kind of knew in the early phases like that it was a closed audience. And so when we circle back a year later, the client's wondering where the success is. And it's like, well, the understanding of the audience in retrospect is not an audience that would ever buy. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're marketing to an audience that would never buy the product. They bought, actually, they bought it once before. They would never buy it again. It's a one-time-in-a-use kind of scenario. So we are marketing all this effort towards a client base that would never buy again. We just had a horrible audience approach. Yep, but we right. fell forward. Yeah, we fell forward. <laughs> yeah, and that client has moved on. So, yeah, it's kind of that, that approach there. So you have to have a clear understanding of audience and, and the potential of that audience. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to fail. So I think you know, another challenge in there of why things fail is poor execution. Mm. So that's a big one. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's when you knock the coffee off the table. <laughs> yeah, that's executing with, with failure in mind. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you can have a good audience. You can have a good plan. But if you don't tactically execute well, then mm-hmm. you're going to have challenges. If you can't or don't know the way to get the results you're looking for from email, from social, from SEO, and you have poor execution, I mean, you're not going to get the results. And that's the one that's probably the most easily remediable right. in the long run. It's almost just diligence. Right. There's really? diligence, there's skills, there's knowledge, expertise. Right. And that's why you may have a good understanding of your audience and a good plan in place, but you need to bring in experts to help you execute. Yeah. That's a great case for an agency like ours because you can't just execute without those first things, right? You, we can't just do social and not understand an audience, right? right? You have to have that planning in place. But most of our clients will have good understanding or at least some understanding and then just have poor execution before they would come to us, you know, mm-hmm. in that case. And so that's usually a big indicator of, of failure is that, you just can't get the results because you don't have the time to be an expert at Facebook marketing. You don't have the time to be an expert at email marketing. You right. just don't have the time to really develop the execution skills, especially if you're a one-person marketing team. You may have one or two things that are in your wheelhouse. You may be a great copywriter. You may be a great email person, but you can't touch social. You don't know a thing about pay-per-click. So you have to kind of bring in people to augment that to get your execution running well. Otherwise, you will face failure. A fourth thing why things fail is unknowns. Mm, that's deep. Yeah, the unknowns. A little too deep. The unknowns that come from nowhere. Wow. Wow. That's just mystical. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's magical. There are always unknowns, and there's always unknowns and failures. Typically, the unknowns are unexpected because (laughs) they're unknown. So it's hard to really wrap your hand around that, but I think that's where the debrief always comes in. Um, Mm -hmm. And so really having that process of going through. But... You know, in that proper planning, I think proper planning is trying to fess out so many of the things you don't know. And I think, you know, when we see campaigns fail, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Right. People say, like, well, if I only had thought about that in the beginning, well, proper planning does give you some of that. Experience matters a lot, too. I mean, uh, experience it, is the name we give to our mistakes. That's good, John. <laughs> oh, that's, that's an amazing quote. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. You could have took credit for that almost. 
<laughs> so I'd say that. So I think kind of bridging off that, let's talk about what happens after you fail. So after you knock that cup of coffee off the table, John. Well, the guy walked out, and I was just left there just feeling really bad. So uh, yeah. I got back into my car and <laughs> drove away. So yeah, that's a good. Well, let's, let's start with maybe some steps on how to, how to deal with failure, especially if it's a marketing campaign, especially if you have a, a boss you need to report the failure to. So I'd say first thing is own it. Yeah, uh, own no, it, that's John. good. Own your failure. I mean, own that the campaign did not work out. And the only way to really own it well is to really understand what So what, what do you mean by own it? Just take responsibility for it? Right. I think it's, it, you know, human nature is for us to say, like, to oh, well, finger. it's, yeah, you know, yeah. Google just costs too much. Or, you know, clients aren't opening emails. Or the it's it's the software's fault. Or, you know, these kind of things. Pointing it extra. I think you have to healthily own the campaign. And what's the benefit to doing that? I think it's to own it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the benefit is just that you would have that and it helps you start the rest of this process with the other steps from a better perspective. Right. If you're, if you're always looking for the reason why it failed, you know, everything was going great. I was, that was great. This was great, but it's this, that was the problem. I think that right. you're, you're me, shorting yourself a little bit. To there. me, owning it kind of establishes a level of trust with the mm. people that you're working with. That's true too. If you screwed something up, everyone in the room knows it. Yeah. No matter how the first person to blame is usually the person who's the fault. Right. right. Yeah. So it earns trust yeah. to own it, and then I also think it just helps you to have a more accurate perception of the situation. Right. If you're convincing yourself that it was an outside factor when really it was just you, you right. screwed the pooch. Right. Yes. And we love to think that marketing has a, a scientific base to it to a degree. Um, so I think owning it says like I'm taking all responsibility for this, especially from a leadership perspective. You can only be looked at positively by owning it. Now, the results of the failure, who knows what could happen in your, your career, <laughs> but owning at least takes that onus saying, like, I take full responsibility for this. And from a leadership perspective, there's a lot more forgiveness, I think, in owning something than trying to pass blame. Yeah. So, so that's the first thing. Second thing I'd say is retrace your steps with data. Get as much data on what happened as possible. And you can use benchmarking to understand what happened. So and this is a lead generation campaign. You know, look at your, your acquisition. What were you getting leads from? If this was a conversion issue, was it a... What part of the funnel was the breakdown? And where's the data that supports that? Which is also a great reason why you should always be testing. It's kind of a subject for a later podcast probably, but if you're always testing, you can always find out what is happening inside of a campaign. I mean, creating a campaign on a whiteboard and then executing it two months later without any kind of testing or validation is just a recipe for failure, I think, because you're not learning as you go. Or giving yourself a variability in the campaign for success. I mean, if you're doing paperclip campaigns, do two different ones so you can see which one has more success. Like otherwise you're gonna be stuck with what you got. But mm -hmm. data is number one. So retrace your data. Third, I would say find out what you didn't know. So this is kind of unpacking mm -hmm. the unknowns. I mean, you have to figure out what what happened. If you can't find out with data, you'll probably figure out something very quickly, like, well, we didn't know this. Yeah. Our audience has a nuance that we didn't understand in this. Right. Exactly. A lot of times they'll just hit you in retrospect and be like, oh, yeah, we didn't know that, of course. Right, of course. Now yeah. we know. Exactly. And there's ways to find the diligence around that. Uh, the biggest one I see for unknowns is around, like, search volume and, and audience. We're, you know, we're dealing with an issue right now where we know of a minimal audience a client wants to go after and so we're trying to you know raise the flag for them but it's like it's an unknown to them and they're kind of letting it be an unknown um so i think where's the audience how much audience is there what's the market share i mean this is kind of your basic marketing plan kind of stuff but i think i've seen in history some clients running off assumptions as yeah. unknowns and so i think after you fail you need to challenge those assumptions like oh we just assumed that this was the case or this i mean that's really what the unknowns end up being is challenging assumptions that 
end up not being true right. you know, in the long run. And so last, I would just say, try it again. Well, First, you don't succeed. <laughs> try, try Get again. back on the horse. Yeah, get back on the horse. So you know it didn't work. See if it's viable to just try it again, retweak things, keep it going forward. So if you can see what the problem was, tweak it. Maybe it's just one or two tweaks, one or two changes that need to unravel the success that you had going in the campaign. If you can you know, come over those failure pieces. Yeah. Or you need to scrap it and do something different. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Yeah. yeah. What about when it's just not going to work? Then you know. (laughs) You fell backwards. Yes, you fell backwards. Get up and start stepping forward again, right? (laughs) Try something different. Try something new. No, it doesn't work. But don't relegate it, too. I think there's a danger in saying, like, well, we tried social and it didn't work for us. Well, if you impact the data, you might find that you tried social and it didn't work to what you were doing. I mean, a lot of business saying, well, our audience isn't on Facebook. That's not true. (laughs) It's it's, it's totally untrue because your audience is on Facebook. You're just not reaching them the right way. Right. There's no doubt that everyone's audience is on Facebook to a degree. Yeah, if if they're not on Facebook, you don't have an audience. Yeah, they're not people. They're not humans. But that's another podcast. (laughs) But anyway, that's something to think about. I think, again, there's a lot of assumptions that are made in failure, a lot of blaming. So I think really understanding what you didn't know, retrace that data, own it, and then you know try again in the long run is really what you should do after failure. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, you know, it's the least I can do. And it just comes from experience, you know, going through this again and again, seeing campaigns win, seeing campaigns lose. There's always something to be had, but Mm -hmm. the key is to figure out what it was. Yeah, that's good. Okay, we're going to do a special game here called Email Subject Line Speed Round. I'm going to name a product, and John's (laughs) going to create a subject line for an email for that product. All right, are you ready, John? I don't know, but I'll, I'll <laughs> do my best. This is going to be intense. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, reusable Q-tips. Uh, email subject line. Back in your ear. Again. <laughs> that's pretty good. The that's emoji good. is an ear emoji. Is ear emoji? Yeah, that's, that's key. Okay, second product. Um, inflatable silverware drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Your knives are ready to blow up. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. And third product would be, I. Okay, here you go. Uh, iron-free or no iron underwear. <laughs> All right. Email subject line: Five best ways to stop that itch. That's pretty good. <laughs> Never do this again. Another good one. Okay. Good. Way to be a good sport, John. Those are good products. All right, well, that's our podcast here for New North. You can always visit us at newnorth.com slash podcast or send us an email at podcast at New North. John, good show today. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Not a failure of a podcast. Failure is not an option. Yep. Just kidding. It is. That's right. And John's going to leave us with a little sentence here. So this is a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. (laughs) 